Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. I love it when it says that. Recorded live. Good evening. This is... Uh... Pastor Jones, and uh, it's good to have you guys joining us on tonight. Uh, we are tonight beginning a new series. I can't wait to get into it. And and this new series is, is entitled Getting to Know the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but uh, this is something that I've, I've always wanted to do, and, I, and what I'm so grateful for is that the Spirit of the Lord is leading me to minister uh, in these series, God, his existence, this was the first series, Jesus Christ, who he is, to the series that we just finished on last Thursday. And tonight we begin with getting to know the Holy Spirit. And I'm not far sure how far we will get on tonight, but we are going to get started here uh, on who the Holy Spirit is. I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to pray first, and then uh, we'll read John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. However, there's some things I want to say before we get to uh, get into our teaching on tonight. Father, we thank you. Let me read the scripture first, and then we will have a prayer, a quick prayer. Um, John, so yeah, John chapter 16. Where did I say John chapter 16, verses 14 through 16? John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17. And John says this, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Father, we thank you tonight for the precious reading of your holy word. We ask now, Holy Spirit, that you teach us according to your will that we may grow stronger in our knowledge of God the Father, God his holy and righteous Son, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, and you, Holy Spirit. It is our prayer that you sanctify this room as you sanctify our hearts. We purify this place by speaking your word over it and giving your angels charge, warn angels charge over the inside of this place. Break down and destroy and cancel every assignment of the enemy that may call hindrance, doubt, confusion, frustration, and interruption, Lord God. That there be a free flow of participation here on tonight. Move as only you can, Holy Spirit, through all who will join us tonight. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Give thanks. Amen. Amen. Well, good evening. Thank you for joining Jesus Christ Ministries Global for our Thursday evening Bible study. Bible study is never only about you and I. First and foremost, it is about coming to know the source of our existence, the giver of life. 
master designer of all that is and the sovereign effector or builder of his own internal cognitive process. He did not consult with man, in other words, for man did not exist or angel, for the angel is his creation. All that is and is because all that is is because he has willed it. Therefore, first and foremost, Bible study is about growing in our knowledge of God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. And based upon that knowledge, make a decision to invite Jesus Christ into our hearts by faith to be our Savior and Lord. Bible study is where we where believers in Christ and those not yet believers in Christ come to learn more about the object of their faith, which is Jesus Christ. I say Jesus because there is a progression in the life of a believer. In I I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. So I don't know if you can see that progression. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And in order for us to come to the Father, we must first come through Christ. That's what John 14 and 6 says. So we come to know God first by coming to know his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Studying the word of God is a principle applicable to the life of every Christian. Why, you might ask? Well, we're told throughout the Bible to teach or and to study the sacred scriptures of God. For example, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. So we know that uh, Ephesians 6, 4 says, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So we're always talking about teaching. And so 2 Timothy 2.15 is something that we're all familiar with. This study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, 16 months ago, we began this series of teaching on God, his existence, and Jesus Christ, who he is. Tonight, we continue our series by getting to know the Holy Spirit. Of the persons of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is, from our own view, from my own view, the least known. I did not undertake this relying on great teachers uh, of the Christian faith. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to continue teaching us. I hope that you are ready to to get started. Take a few moments, get your writing utensils uh, and paper. I I want to do what I, I want you to do what the Bereans did, and that is uh, these were more noble, as the scripture says, uh, in Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. They, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were true. Therefore, many of them believed. They believed because not only did Paul teach and preach the word, but they went back home and they checked the scriptures for themselves, and based on their understanding of the scripture, as Paul had taught on it, they believed, and so they were added to the church all the more people, and that's awesome. That's that's awesome. So regarding the Holy Spirit, I want to take just a follow, I want to take the follow.
following approach. I want to talk about his personality. I want to talk about his deity and his relationship to the Father and to the Son and also uh, his office and work. So the first off, let me get started by, by uh, highlighting uh, just the Hebrew word and the Greek word uh, used to refer to the Holy Spirit. And then we'll follow that by scriptural designations regarding the Holy Spirit. The word ruah, that's R-U-A-H, is the Hebrew word for wind, for breath, for mind, or for spirit. Now, the basic idea of ruah is air in motion, from air which cannot come between the scales of the Leviathan, for example, in Job chapter 41, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me to uh, Job chapter 41, verse 16. When we talk about air, Job chapter 41, verse 16. And he's talking about, here God is talking to, to, to Job about the Leviathan. He says to Job in chapter 41, verse 16, all, say, one is, let me read it from the King James Version. He says, one is so near to another, meaning scales, uh, that, that no air can pass between them. And, of course, if we go back up to that first chapter and we began to read in that first chapter, God asked Job, canst thou draw out Leviathan with an hook or his, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put an hook into his nose huh, or bore his jaw through with a thorn? Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he break? Will he speak soft words unto thee? Will he? And of course, all of these, the answer to these questions are absolutely no. He says, "Canst thou?" He says, "Canst thou play with him?" Verse, um, verse five, verse. Um, well, I'm sorry. Verse seven. Canst thou feel his skin with barbed irons or his? Head with fish spears, lay thy hand upon him, remember the battle, do no more. <laughs> so, in other words, you lay hold of him, you're going to remember it because he won't let you go, he won't let you forget because of the damage that he will do to you. Behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast even to the sight of him? Yeah, fear. No, none is so fierce that dare stir him up, who then is able to stand before me? If you can't handle the thing I created, how can you stand before me? Uh, so, and then he goes on and says, uh, uh, and he says, I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportions. Who can discover the face of the garment or his garment, or who can come to him with his double bridle? Who can open the door of his face? His teeth are terrible round about. His scales are, his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. They're not, there's no skin between his scales. It's just 
that they're so tightly held together that even air can't pass through them. And, and that's another form of ruah that we talk about when we talk about, we're talking about the spirit. We're talking about the Hebrew word for uh, the Holy Spirit, but we want to look at the various definitions or meanings of this word. It can, as I stated earlier, ruah is air in motion from air which cannot come between scales of the Leviathan in Job chapter 41, verse 16. And then, of course, Isaiah 25 and 4, he says this. Isaiah, let me just go there. Let me turn there. Isaiah 25, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 4. He says, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat. When the, when the blast of the terrible one is as a storm against the wall. And, of course, when we think about blast, we're talking about a force of air, a force of wind that cannot be uh, stopped. And so, uh, and so Isaiah here, then, when we look at Ruah, we're talking about a strong wind, a storm, you know. What, what normally accompanies a storm? Strong wind. And that's what we're talking about, that air. Now, in living beings, like in you and I, uh, ruah is, is their breath, whether animal, Genesis 7:15, and they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of all flesh, wherein the breath of life is the breath of life. So we see that even animals have the breath of life. And then, of course, Psalm 104, verse 25, and verse 29. Uh, Psalm 104, verse 25, and 29. Uh, so is this great and wide sea, wherein are all things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. Thou hidest, thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, their breath, their ruach. You taketh away their breath, and they die and returned, return to the dust. Or of men, for example, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5. Let's go back to, let's go to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5. If you have it, uh, well, let me know when you have it, and we will... And definitely, I'm not going to rush this because I really want to get into it. We, I don't know how long this teaching will take, but each of the last two teachings took at least eight months. That's a lot of, that's a lot of time. But not really when you think about just uh, four, four Thursdays, four to five Thursdays out of a month. That's not a whole lot of time because we don't spend that much time in Bible study, but we need to. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5. Uh, would you like to read that? Thus say uh, the Lord, he that created the heaven and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spurred to them that walk therein. So we see here that the word ruah, R-U-A-H, the Hebrew word ruah 
back up just a little bit and just give you just a quick uh, recap here on what we mean by Ruah. Ruah, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we have different definitions of different meanings here. In other words, Ruah is the Hebrew word for wind. It is the Hebrew word for breath. It is the Hebrew word for mind. And it is the Hebrew word for spirit. And, of course, as I said, the basic idea of Ruah is air in motion. So, uh, and so now we're, and that's what we're looking at, the various aspects of the word Ruah for uh, the Holy Spirit. And we're getting to that now. But we're also going to take a look at the Greek word for the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll get to that in, in just a few moments here. So, uh, we go to, we see that in, in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5, thus the God, thus says the Lord, God, God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath, breath, ruah, unto the people upon it, uh, meaning the earth, and the spirit to them that walketh therein, meaning life, the ruah, the spirit, life. Uh, and then, of course, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 5. One thing I love about Bible study is that we get to explore the various scriptures to help us to understand the, the matter, the subject matter that we are discussing. And it's important that we get a hold of the scriptures and that we work with these scriptures so that uh, we can get a, gain a greater understanding of our faith and why we believe what we believe. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 5, we'll find these words. We'll find these words. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. And how many of you remember the valley of dry bones? Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones. I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will call Ruah, Ruah, breath, Ruah, to enter into you, and you shall live. And the word Ruah in the Hebrew word Ruah is spelled R-U-A-H. In other words, I will call Ruah to enter into you, and you shall live. And then, of course, Genesis. Uh, we got always got to go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 7 verses 22 and 23. Genesis chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. And here, of course, we're looking at the God causing the flooding, flooding of the earth uh, and the killing of everything except Jonah, Noah and his family, you know, there's a total of eight souls, his, his three sons and their wives and Noah and his wife. And so there were eight souls. And because of the sin that was upon the earth, God destroyed the earth. And this is what we're talking about here. And this is where we're coming to. Listen, all in whose nostril was the ruah of life of all that was in the dry land died, and every living substance was destroyed which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle, 
and the creeping things and the fowl of the heavens, and they were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. So we see again that um, where Ruah is dealing with the breath of life. And that's what he says, and those who breathe, those who were, in whose nostrils was the breath of life. So Ruah also means wind or breath. And then, of course, we have Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 25. And we're, and we're focusing on, and Jeremiah is in the Old Testament, uh, and he is one of the major prophets. And we call him a major prophet because he wrote more extensively than what we call the minor prophets. And the major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lament, and Jeremiah is the writer both of Jeremiah and of Lamentation. And we have Ezekiel, and then we have Daniel, because they wrote more extensively than the other uh, uh, prophets, 12 minor prophets, if you will. So uh, Ezekiel chapter, I'm sorry, where was I? Jeremiah, rather, chapter 2, verse 24. Thank you, Brother Derek. Jeremiah chapter. 2, verse 24. If you have it, please read it. And it says this, a wild ass used, Mm -hmm. a wild ass used to the wilderness that snuffeth up the wind at at her pleasure in her occasion who can turn her away. All they that seek her will not weary themselves. In her mouth they shall find, in her mouth they shall find her on the list. So we see here even Jeremiah talking about the wild ass or the beasts of the wilderness. They have, they snuffed up the wind or they sniff out or smell the wind, the ruah, at their pleasure. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. And again, we're, getting, we're starting our teachings on the Holy Spirit, uh, getting to know the Holy Spirit is this next series that we are teaching. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4. And it says this, But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and rebuke. And the word, I'm sorry, reprove. And the word reprove means to take up the cause fairly. Um, with equity for the meat of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the ruah of the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. It's only going to take a word. That's all it's going to take is a word. And so we're dealing with, we're looking at ruah. We're just about finished with the the Hebrew uh, word for ruah. Now let's take a look, if you will, at Job chapter 9, verse 18. And so uh, by now you, 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 you have a pretty good idea that we're going to be walking back and forth through this word and, and, and uh, getting an understanding. Job, Job chapter 9, verse 18. Job chapter 9, verse 18. And what does it say? He will not suffer me to take my breath, but fill me with bitterness. Yes, so here again, he will not suffer me to 
take my breath or my ruah. My ruah. And this is this is good. And then of course, um, we know that idols, on the other hand, are dead in that they have no breath in them. Right? Idols, material things have no breath in them. Is that a fair statement? Of course. They are dead in that they have no breath in them at all. And so Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 14 says this. Every man, Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 14, let's just turn there. I know you're getting, I I don't want you to get turnitis here, but I do want you to keep turning and stay hanging there with me. Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 14. These are some things that you can go back. And so we, we read these all the time, but for some reason we don't. We just pass over the various words. That's why it's important to try and do a word study uh, while you're doing your reading so that you'll get a clearer understanding of the word. Uh, verse 14 says what? Every man is brutish. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Knowledge. Every folly is confounded by the graven image. For his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. Lord, I mercy. I love that. And then, of course, I, Jeremiah 51 and 17. Thank you, because that's powerful. So no idol has breath in it. So they are just things that are, 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 are created by the imagination of men uh, because they are lost in that they know not God, so they seek to find God, but they find him in their own way by creating something that cannot and cannot possibly serve them the way a true and living God can serve them. I love it. Isaiah, I mean, Jeremiah 51 and 17. Jeremiah 51 17 says this. Every man is, I'm sorry, uh, every man is brutish by his knowledge. Every founder is confounded by the graven image. And so we know that a founder is someone that builds, you know, using molten, molten steel and, and other things to shape and mold things and create things from graven image, molds. And then they grave, engrave them and they shape them and they decorate them and they call them graven images. Uh, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. So we see uh, just a repetition of uh, 10, Jeremiah 10, 14. We get a pretty much a same definition or, or a repetition of it in, in 51 and 17. So it's important that God, is, God wants us to know that he is the only one uh, that is true and living. Everything else is just a waste of our time. We will not get anywhere with that. Now let's shift to the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, and which is called which is called pneuma. And that is that word is spelled P as in potato, N E U M A, and it's pronounced pneuma. And pneuma carries the same meaning as the Hebrew word ruah. That is wind, breath, life, or mind, and spirit. Jesus speaks extensively on giving the Holy Spirit to believers. And we know that from looking by, if we turn to John chapter 14, 
verses 16 and 17, which is what I read in your hearing, and I'd be honored to read it again, or someone else may feel free to read it. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. And here's what he says, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the pneuma of truth, or the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he lives in you, or dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. We're, here we're talking about the pneuma, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God. He is known as the Comforter, but he is also known as the Spirit of God. And then, of course, John chapter 15, verse 26. John chapter 15, verse 26. And it says what? When the, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father. Even the spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. Listen, that pneuma, that Holy Spirit, that comforter, he's going to come and he's going to live inside of us. Uh, and, and notice what Jesus said. In, in that first, in, in verses uh, 16 and 17 of that first, that 14th chapter, he says, I will pray the Father. Uh, and uh, he shall give you another comforter. And now notice, he says, the Father will give you another comforter. But here we see in verse 26, Jesus says, when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you. So the Holy Spirit comes proceed both from God the Father and God the Son. And we must don't miss that. So, all, and so you can't send the Holy Spirit if you're not God. <laughs> and, and so the Holy Spirit himself is God. So I love that. He proceeded out. He said, I but the comforter. But when the comforter is come, he's coming, in other words, whom I will send to you unto you from the Father, even the spirit of truth, even the pneuma of truth, which proceeded from the Father. He shall testify of me. So we know that the Holy Spirit will not only come and take us uh, residence in the, in the believer, but he will also teach the believers about Jesus Christ. How? By testifying about who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. Acts chapter 2, if you will, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 4 and verse 33. Acts chapter 2, verse, verses 4 and verses and verse 33. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and verse 33. Now, this is, this is the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, what did he say? The Spirit of the Lord came in like a mighty rushing wind. So, let's go to this. Let's read this. And what does it say? Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and verse 33. It says this, and they were filled with the pneuma of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the pneuma, as the Spirit of God gave them utterance, verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received
seed of the Father, the promise of the pneuma of the Holy Ghost, he had shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. Now, Paul, uh, Luke is writing, Luke is the, the author of the book of Acts, and he is talking to uh, all those who were present in Jerusalem that heard the, the, the 120 who were in that room that were filled with the Holy Spirit speaking with other tongues, and every one of them coming from various uh, parts of the country, and they understood them in their own language. That's powerful. That's powerful. So that's what we have now. Uh, when we think about uh, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word, ruah, and we'll give you some scriptures that help you to see wind, air, you know, uh, air, and, you know, or mind or life uh, and spirit. And then, of course, we gave you the word pneuma, the Greek word pneuma for um, spirit, or we use it for spirit. Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit's personality. Uh, so many people say that he is not alive. He is an it. He's not an it. He is a he. Uh, and scripture is replete with, with, with examples of his existence. He's re we say, well, there is God the Father, but there is no God the Son, there's no Holy Spirit. Well, that's not true. Scripture tells us that. You know, first off, in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. And then, of course, John the Baptist later on in, in Luke, I believe it is, says that he will baptize you with fire with, and the Holy Spirit, right? And so we see that in John chapter, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus comes out of the baptism 3 and 4, when he comes out of the Jordan after having been baptized, we're told that he is driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So uh, if he's God, then he cannot be driven by anything because he is impervious to anything, and he is not subject to anything except, in, except himself. Therefore, we see then that the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Now, the historic and pre prevailing doctrine or teaching of the church in accordance with uh, Scripture, has been that the Holy Spirit is a person distinct from the Father and the Son. Though they are united to both, though he is united to both in the, in the mystery, mysterious oneness of the Godhead. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes these things, I don't fully understand it, but I believe it completely. Uh, and I'm going to do my best under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to yield myself to his teaching of us, what is going, what he wants us to know. So he is not just a personification or a figurative express expression, if you will, for divine energy or operation. No, he's more than just some some you know passing statement about uh, him. Like yeah, he's just a wind. He's gone. Well, you know, he's just something that we just you just figurative. He's just a figment of our imagination. He's not really real. He's just, you know, something, an expression that we use, say maybe he's energy or operation or something like that. But no, no. Uh, some have turned, some have held throughout the church history that he is just that figurative or he is a personification of for divine energy or operation, but he is really not a person. And that is nothing to be more further from the truth. We even introduced to him first and foremost in the book of Genesis in chapter. 
chapter in chapter one, verse two. And if you have your Bibles, turn there real quick. Let's let's meet the Holy Spirit. Let's meet Him while He's at work doing His thing. Verse two. Genesis chapter one, verse two. Is when we are first introduced to the Holy Spirit. He says, here, hello, here I am. What does it say? It says here, uh, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And what happened? The spirit of who? God moved where? Upon the face of the water. So we know that he is because he's introduced to us right there in that first chapter in that second verse of Genesis. I love it. I love it. I love it. So he, so he is, so my contention, and I'm reading the word of God, my contention is that the Holy Spirit is an intelligent being or agent who possesses, who is possessed of self-consciousness, in other words, who, has, who is self-conscious and he is, and he is freedom. So he is alive. So in proof of this, it is rightly said in, we go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, uh, chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. So we are rightly, so it, so it is rightly said that the scriptures that assign a recognizable personality to the Father and the Son with, with equal clarity is assigned specific personality, does assign, excuse me, specific personality to the Holy Spirit. So uh, the same scripture that speaks, in other words, of the Father and the Son specifically speaks of the Holy Spirit. And that's Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. I'm not there yet, but if someone has it and would like to read it, feel free to do so. Here we go. Here we go. Matthew chapter 3, verse six, verses 16 and 17. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the word lo means to look, and, and look, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a what? like a dove, and lighting upon him or uh, coming to rest upon him or sitting upon him, and a voice, and lo, and look, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here we see that the Holy Spirit took on the shape of a dove and came to rest upon Jesus. Uh, There is before I tell you where it is, let me just go there and locate it real quick. Yes, indeed. Verse 35 in John chapter 3, verse 35. Um, let's listen to what the God, what, what we are told, what John by the Spirit tells us concerning the Son. For the love, the Lord, for the Father loveth the Son and has given him all things into his hands, right? And so we know that God has given Jesus Christ everything. 
And then let's go up to that 34th verse because I want to I want you to see this as well because this is critical. Uh, and this is what so this is why this is what is so important for us as well as believers to know that we have the Holy Spirit because we've talked about the Comforter coming and living inside of us. But the same, but uh, it is not something strange because it happened to Jesus. And Jesus was able to be effective in his ministry because he was filled with the Spirit and he walked in the Spirit. Therefore, he did not fulfill the lust or the, the challenges or the struggles of this flesh. Verse 34, for, for he, meaning Jesus Christ, whom God hath sent, speaketh the words of God. For God, hath, for God giveth not the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit, the pneuma, by measure unto him. In other words, Jesus had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There was nothing uh, to hold him back. He had the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and I just love it. Uh, and then, of course, so the Holy Spirit is described as a dove coming down from heaven, coming to rest upon Jesus and leading Jesus into the wilderness. And so, and then, of course, uh, verse, in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, uh, and no more than my Bible seems like it knows one form before I know it. I just skip through it. There you go. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. And it says this. Now, if I'm going too fast, let me know because, because I want to slow down a little bit. I want you to get this. I want you to get the scriptures because I want you to go back and I want you to read. Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about getting to know the Holy Spirit. And listen, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And this is Isaiah foretelling about Jesus Christ. And last week we talked about foretelling. I mean, God is dealing with you right now on the issue that, you know, someone is ministering to you right now on the issue that you're dealing with, whereas in foretelling is what is coming to pass in the future. And so here the Spirit, and so Isaiah is prophesying concerning Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So here, the ruah, uh, the ruah in Isaiah, but the pneuma in the Greek word, in the Greek Testament, because the Old, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic, wherein the Greek, where in the New Testament is written in Greek. And so that's why we have the distinction between uh, the word but the definition of the same. Now, if we were to do uh, historical research or background, we would learn that uh, 72 men or priests were called to translate, that is, to write the Hebrew, take the Hebrew scriptures and write them into Greek scripture. That's what we mean by translating, transferring, you know, uh, interpreting it from from the Greek, from the Hebrew into a Greek or another language. And so there were seventy-two men, and they they each sat down and they wrote out in Greek or translated into Greek the Hebrew Old Testament scripture. And so that's why we have. And, we, and that's called the Septuagint, S-E-P-T-U-A-G-I-N-T. Uh, sometimes you'll see L, capital L, capital XX, that stands for Septuagint, which is 70, 
but literally it was 72. And they transcribed the Old Testament Bible, uh, this Old Testament scripture, into um, Greek. And so that's why we have the pneuma as opposed to the, uh, the ruah, but they are both the same, just the different languages. Now, uh, let's move on if we will. Now, the pronouns used with reference to the Holy Spirit are clear, are clearly personal pronouns. Let's go to personal. Let's go to this. Let's deal with this now. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14, where we talk about personal pronouns. How be it, John says, when he, is not he a personal pronoun? Uh, a pronoun, rather? Is not he a pronoun? How be it he, the Holy the Spirit of truth, is come, he, he, right, will give you into all, will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, is another pronoun, but, but whosoever, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. <laughs> For he shall receive of mine, another one, and shall show it unto you. There we go, that you again. So you see, now we're talking about a pronoun. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're saying he. So we, we're saying he, we're clearly saying that we are ascribing a personality uh, to him, right? Everybody in agreement with that? Amen. And then Acts chapter 13, verse 2. I, I know that. Uh, let's go there real quick. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Because these are pronouns that are referring to the Holy Spirit. And of course, he says he will. Uh, receive a mind that this Jesus is talking about himself, and he will glorify, he shall glorify me. Jesus is the me, is Jesus. And so, everything that the Holy Spirit does is to glorify Jesus in the earth because his salvation comes through Jesus Christ. Nobody can come to the Father until they come through Christ. Now, verse 2 of Acts chapter 13, what does it say? They use the word they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, separate me. Another pronoun, right? Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I, that pronoun, I have called them. Lord have mercy. So is he not real? If he is not real, he can't call anybody to anything. And if he is not God, he definitely can't tell anybody what to do. But he is God. That's why he can say, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them to. I have called them. So we see that the Holy Spirit is a person. We're talking about the personality uh, of the Holy Spirit. He is. And then the attributes of personality, that is self-consciousness and freedom, are applied to the Holy Spirit as well. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. You might as well hang on in there. Hold on to the ride. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's just, uh, let's work it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we look at some attributes here. And attributes are simply qualities or characteristics of God. And so in there we're talking about the characteristics. It attributes of personality of self-consciousness. And that is self-awareness. We are aware of ourselves. And then, of course, the freedom. And that's liberty to be able to do the things that we do. So these are all applied to the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. For God has revealed them unto us by whom? His spirit. spirit. That's right, his spirit. So, for the spirit searches what? All, All things. Yes, even the deep things of who? God. Of God, that's right. So we see that he searches all things. This talks about his omniscience, in my opinion. That means his knowing, his all-knowing. Because you can't search the deep things of God except you are God. You cannot know you except the spirit in you knows you. And so who knows the man but the spirit of the man? Who knows God except the spirit of the God? of God? And the spirit of God searches the deep things of God. God have mercy. The things that man cannot search God for. It is impossible. So, and then uh, Acts, and then First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven. Ah, uh, but all these worketh that one and self same spirit. Dividing to every man separately as he will, not as the man will, but as he will. The the self same spirit, self same self conscious spirit, dividing to every man. Look, and that's his freedom, his freedom to do as he will. Dividing to every man separately as he will. I I don't know if you guys can pick on that, pick up on that, but as he will, that speaks to the personality of the Holy Spirit. That speaks to his the reality of the Holy Spirit. Now I'm not telling you something that I'm coming up with. This is all scripture. That's why I love the scripture, and that's why we have to stay with it. So we can see that the Holy Spirit isn't just a description of an action of God but an actual person. But some personality can only exist in human beings, as though personality can relate only to finite beings, but not in the infinite. Listen, we are temporary, in other words. That's what finite is. We have a, we have a set period of time while that we are on this earth, but then afterwards we are gone. But, but Jesus Christ, but God, but the Holy Spirit is in our infinite. They, he, let me just say he, because he's one. He is infinite. There is no end to him. He is, what is it, eternity itself. 
eternity rests within the bosom of God. And so don't get it twisted. Since man is made in the image of God, it is reasonable to expect similar characteristics between God and man. Because he says, let us make man in our likeness, in our image, and in our likeness. And let him have dominion over. And he says, let me just take these creatures to him and see what he will name them. God has equipped us to be able to function as God over this earth. That's who we are, rulers of this earth. And how well we rule this earth is a reflection on the condition of our heart and our relationship with God. If we're driving down the street and we're eating an apple and we finish and we just throw the one down and throw the core out, that tells us we have very little concern about the about the environment. We can say, Oh yeah, let's biodegradable. It'll just you know, it'll just it'll just break down and replenish earth. No, 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 no. That's littering. I don't care what you call it. So think about God, you know. So hence it is impossible to form some idea of divine personality by a study of the human because man is made in the likeness of God. So personality may simply be defined as possessing intellect, emotions, and will. Then by demonstrating that the Holy Spirit has intellect, emotion, and will, it will be shown that he is a person and his and he has a personality. So the Holy Spirit is sometimes referred to as it or a thing or simply an influence. (laughs) Uh, But this teaching will demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is not simply an influence but a person who may have influence on you because he lives in you, having the characteristics of personality. Early in church history, Arius, he was a priest, uh, uh, and he denied the personality of the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit was only an influence coming from the Father. He was condemned at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. Why? Because his teaching, because his teaching was heresy in the in the eyes of the church. So his teaching has continued in the present in the present time in the Unitarian Unitarianism. You've heard of Unitarians uh, in the Unitarian Church and, and in cults such as the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's where they say that they deny the personality or the reality of Christ. They say Christ was created. They deny the personality of the Holy Spirit. He was just an influence. Well, that's why it's heresy because Scripture is clear on that that there is a personality. God has a personality. Christ has a personality. He is real. And that the Holy Spirit likewise has a personality and he is real. So he is not only, so listen, the Holy Spirit is not only taught, uh, I'm sorry, he not, um, Arius not only taught the denial of the Holy Spirit, but he also denied the eternality of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As the logos, the word of God, the living word of God. Now, let's see, we have a few more minutes. Let's go ahead. I want to go right now. I want to go to his personality is established by his attributes. In other words, the Holy Spirit's personality, this is the next uh, uh, subtopic that we're going to deal with now. His personality is established by his 
attribute, by his qualities, by his characteristics. We're talking about his personhood and how that it is established by his attributes. Right? So when we think about his attributes, we think about what? His intellect. Meaning he's intelligent. First Corinthians chapter two verse ten. First Corinthians chapter two verse ten. We want to deal with his personality or his intellect. And we already went through it once, but let's say it again. We're told that the Spirit searches all things. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. Why? Because the spirit searches all things, not just the Father, but all things. He knows your mind and mine. Nothing is hid from him. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. Send me the cricket. You don't believe me. Go to Psalm 139 Psalm real quick. Just go there real quick. 139 Psalm. You know, I don't just go to 139th Psalm. I just want you to know. I just want you to know. Then we'll get back to this 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But this 139th Psalm, what does it say here? Let's let's go here. It says here. He says, here we go. <laughs> Look at verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the Right, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Listen, he knows everything about you. He's already there. So no matter where you go, no matter what you try to do, you can you can sleep on hide under the covers, you can slip slide and 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 get and dip and dive and do all the jives that you want, but you can't you can't shake the Holy Spirit. You know you simply can't. I love this. First Corinthians chapter two verse ten. What does it say? We were talking about it this year, but God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. That and that word all means absolutely all things. Absolutely nothing is excluded or left out. For the Spirit searches all things, yea or yes, the deep things of God Himself. This speaks of His intellect. Intellect is the ability to reason and understand. In other words, to think things through and understand it. Look, deal with listen. I tell you, the search. The word search, I love this word search. The word search means to examine or to investigate or to look deeply into a matter. So when the Holy Spirit searches all things, he looks deeply into a matter. He 
doesn't look at the surface. He's not interested in the prima facie aspects of a, of a matter. Now, that is the surface matter, the stuff that sits on the surface, the stuff that everybody can see. He wants to get down deep inside of you, that hidden stuff where nobody else knows anything about. That's the only way that he can convict you or convince you of your guilt of your sin, the guilt of your sin, because he goes where nobody else can go. He deals with you where nobody else can deal with you. They may, some people might have some idea, and they mess with your mind, but listen, the Holy Spirit knows what is the motivation behind the actions that you took. So... <laughs> The Holy Spirit examines the deep, the depths of God and reveals them to believers. The same is used by Jesus in John chapter 5, verse 39, where he states, you search the scriptures. <laughs> you search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. When you search the scripture, and this is what he was talking to the Jews, they search the scripture thinking that they're going to have eternal life. But Jesus is saying, I am, I am the eternal life that you're looking for, that you've been searching for in the scripture because the scripture is me. But because you don't understand the scriptures, you cannot understand me. And because you won't receive this, your mind is so limited, so 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 cut off because of your limited understanding and it's so close that you won't, you refuse to receive any greater understanding. I don't know about you, but that's crazy. Listen, Jesus says in verse, uh, John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they that which testify of me. And then, of course, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 and, and, and I may have gone over this one once. Chapter 12, verse 11, I have not, but listen. We're talking about searching. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So not only are we talking about uh, the personality of, of the Holy Spirit is established by his attributes, he, his attributes uh, as the Father, as the as the, the, the as God. Let's just put it that way. He knows all. He sees all. He searches all, and he works all these things in distributing to each one individually as he will. Distributing what the gifts of the Spirit. He distributes the gifts of the Spirit. To one, he gives the spirit of healing. To another, the gift of prophecy. To another, the gift of administration. To another, the gift of speaking in tongues. To another, the gift of giving. You know, the gift of uh, service. You know, just all the different gifts all come from the same Holy Spirit. So every gift that we have, the Holy Spirit is the giver of those gifts. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. So you, you can't just close the Holy Spirit out and dismiss him as though he's nothing. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. You know we're going there, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14.
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who the eternal, eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience is right. for dead works to serve the living God? So, even by through the eternal spirit, through the eternal spirit, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Listen, it's hard enough being in this flesh, but having the Holy Spirit to give you that comfort and that stability in the time that you're going through the trials uh, and struggles of your life, it makes all the difference in the world. It enables you to endure, to stand, to be strong. To, to be able to go through the very challenges of this life. So don't give up. Don't become this. Don't, don't walk in despair and in and, and, and hopelessness as if there is no hope. Uh, hold on because the very same spirit that empowered Christ, that held him up, that kept him, uh, allowed him to shed his blood on that cross because, you know, I don't know about you, but Jesus knew that he was getting ready to die. He knew it, and he went into that garden of Gethsemane and, Gethsemane, and he began to pray, and he says, my father, uh, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. He was feeling the pressure. He was feeling the pressure of his impending crucifixion, and yet the spirit of God was there to give him the strength that he needed to help him go through in this flesh. I don't know about you, but that's that's good that's good news to me. So I know that when the Spirit of God lives in me, so that when I deal with certain issues and challenges in my life, I know that I can retreat to God, and God's Holy Spirit will give me the strength and the comfort to be able to endure. Doesn't matter what the doesn't matter what the issue is. Doesn't matter what's happened. God, by His Spirit, will keep us and strengthen us and empower us to be able to endure. I love that about him. I love that about him so much. Not only is the spirit himself without spot, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Listen, he regenerates. He, let, me, let me put it to you this way. You were like, before you came to Christ, you were like an abandoned building that no one lived in. And it was full of cobwebs and dust, the stuff that formed over a period of, over the process of time uh, because it is not being used and it's not being cared for. And so you were just filthy inside and out, just nothing, just, just really just garbage on the inside. And when the Holy Spirit, when you accepted Christ and invited him into your heart to be your Savior and your Lord, there was immediately an indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he began to, as he entered into you, over time he began to cleanse you and renew you on the inside, renovate your inside and clean you out and turn you into a whole new person on the inside. That person represented the representative of Jesus Christ. And as he cleansed you on the inside, even your outside began to reflect 
the change that took place on your inside. You're not like who you used to be. You're not a clubber anymore. You're not a drugger anymore. You're not a womanizer anymore. You're not a manizer anymore. You're not any of those things anymore. You don't cut. You don't. You don't. You don't do all that stuff you used to do. You simply are a new creation in Christ. And so that's what I believe we're saying. And even so, one. I mean, where was that? I said, yeah. So cleanse your conscience from dead work to serve the living God. Now you, your mindset has been changed. Now it's up to you to begin to renew your mind through the reading of the word of God. That's how God begins to change you all the more. That's how you begin to grow and mature in, in, in the things of God, in the word of God, in the work of God. And we want to just leave it there tonight. I want to just leave it with this intellect. Now, next week, we will pick up on his, we will, te- we will start on his knowledge. We will start on his mind. We will start on his wisdom. We will deal with his revelation. We will deal with his will. We will deal with, the, with, the, with his, pers- his personality, how his, his personality is established by his work. In other words, we're going to talk about his, what are some of his works, his teachings, his, his testify, testify, he testifies or his testimonies or his witnessing about God, about Christ. He is guiding us and his conviction or his convincing of us. In other words, he convicts the world of their sin. He exposes the people their sin, and by exposing them, they are feeling, they will feel convicted. And you know how it is. If somebody finds it, you did something in the dark and it comes to light, you get that sheepish look on your face and you feel embarrassed and you wish that you had never done it, all of us. You know, all of us got some stuff in the past that we hope don't come out, that we don't like it, and we regret that we did it, but that is life. Now, after hearing this word, there may be one, and you're without the Lord Jesus Christ. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter where you've been. Listen, Jesus is calling for you. If you're in need of prayer, we're here to pray for you. If you're looking for a church home, uh, consider making Jesus Christ's ministry global your church home. Uh, in any of these areas, we love to worship you, welcome you, and we love to pray for you. I thank you for joining us on tonight. I hope that uh, you were blessed by this teaching. I, I'm excited about this, this series here, getting to know the Holy Spirit. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I was thinking about the title on my way here. Where did I get that from? I don't know. I just sat down and I just started typing getting to know the Holy Spirit. I was trying to think of this this, this fancy uh, title that I could use, uh, but I, when I sat down, all I could type was getting to know the Holy Spirit, and that's sufficient for me. Well, uh, Marie, thank you for joining us on tonight. Okay. Uh, how are you doing? I'm making it, you know, one day at a time. I'm doing the best I can. Just keep continuing to pray for me. You got it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.